Welcome to the Shiro Shift podcast, sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. I'm your hostess, Carrie Anderson. Cardio Dance Babes provides fun, flexible workouts for women, and we're committed to providing an environment for women to redefine what fitness looks like for them. We believe that this is done from the inside out, and the best way to do this is through listening to the stories of others, to get inspiration, gain some perspective, and remember that we're not alone. So from our living room to yours, enjoy this collection of stories from other grown-ass women just like you. All right, happy Friday. Cardio Dance Babe family, thank you for joining us here on Friday afternoon, where every Friday I, Carrie Anderson, one of the original Cardio Dance Babes, sit down with another lady and we chat. We chat about life, we chat about um, their life's journey, we talk about how it's affected them through the years, and then kind of what we can pull apart from all of that to apply in our own lives. I've said it on other episodes and I'll say it again. I was in line behind someone at the grocery store back at the holidays. She um, asked for a veteran's discount and I was just completely shocked that I was standing next to a a superwoman in real life and I, I didn't even realize it and it made me think, man, we're standing next to super women all the time because really all women are super women and every superwoman has a story and then every story has the potential to help another woman and you know that kind of sounds like a little bit of hyperbole maybe but I really really truly believe that I hear all the time like oh my gosh no my life is so boring I promise it's not I promise (laughs) there is something that we can all learn when we come together and that's really what cardio dance babes is all about yes we love to shake our booty and we love to have fun and we love to not take ourselves too too seriously but ultimately our number one goal is to connect women with other real women so that we kind of get a real sense of the fact that we're not alone in our experiences we're not alone in our lives so what I do is I sit down with a lady she tells us her story and then we have a little discussion about it and then at the end we do something called the three G's where we kind of dig into those specific shifts in her life and how it happened and how we can honor the past Uh, give ourselves grace for the present and still move forward towards a future with um, goals, having learned the lessons that we've learned and really coming to love the person that that we've become along the way. So all that being said, when I say that Cardio Dance Babes is for every woman, I mean Cardio Dance Babes is for every woman. Last week, if you joined me, you got to hear the story of my fantastic friend, Connie, who is 63 years young, 
Today, you get to hear from my sweet friend, Ryan, who is 21 years old. We'll say you're old, okay? <laughs> Ryan is one of the youngest Boss Babe members, and I've known her for a couple of years, and just really, I think you were at the very first class that I ever taught by myself at the YMCA that I worked at. Um, and we've just always really, really connected. I've always felt really, really connected to you. She is a senior. I can't believe you're a senior. She's a senior at Clemson University, which is a college here in the upstate of South Carolina. She majors in parks and recreation and tourism management with a history, with a history minor, which is just like, history is my jam, okay? Um, she wants to do historic preservation and was just accepted into grad school. So that's exciting. I'm very, very happy for you for that. Um, she loves her family. She loves her friends, loves to dance and sing. I didn't know you played the piano. I'm glad to know that. And coffee. Cheers. Cheers, girl. All right. Miss Ryan, thank you for joining me today. I so appreciate you being here. I know that you have like a crazy school schedule. So I really appreciate you joining me on this Friday. Tell me a little bit about your story. I know a little bit about it, but I want to get I want to get really into it. Yeah, um, I guess I can start from about high school. Well, actually, I'll start with eighth grade because that's when I started dancing. So I danced in a studio um, for about two years and I did hip hop and jazz, kind of like contemporary. Um, and I really loved it, but I really just wanted to do it for fun. I didn't want to compete with it or anything. My older sister was a competitive cheerleader my whole life. So I grew up like weekend competitions, the like long hours in the gym. Um, so I didn't want to compete. And I had a really great dance instructor, but she really liked me like she wanted me to do really well she wanted me to be on the team so she was really hard on me and I do not respond well to like that type of coaching like if you yell at me I just completely shut down not even like I'll get upset I'll just be like mm, I don't like owe you anything anymore and I'll just stop and so she started being like kind of dance mommy to me and I was like mm. so I quit dancing um, and I started running cross country instead at my high school. And I actually really loved that. I really loved running. I think at that point I had struggled with depression and anxiety for about two years, but I didn't realize it because I was so young. I just like didn't understand what it was. Um, so all I really understood was that when I ran, like I felt better mentally. So I did that for our first season. And then when we went off season in the spring, I noticed that I lost a lot of weight and I liked that. I liked how I looked and I got really worried that by not being at practice every day, I was going to gain the weight back. And, you know, at practice, we would only run like three, maybe five miles a day. And somehow I translated that into my brain to doing two hours of cardio seven days a week. So I did that for all of like the spring semester, I really like started getting obsessed with healthy eating, um, not eating very much at all, doing two hours in the gym. I would like run, I would normally run for an hour and then I would like do the elliptical or the Stairmaster like for an hour. And in the summer, my dad is like a huge fitness 
junkie and he was like you're an idiot you have to like lift weights and I was like all right so then I got really into CrossFit while I'm still like barely eating and doing CrossFit um I would go to the gym I'd run a mile I would do a CrossFit workout and I didn't believe in like the 30 minute like it had to be 50 minutes to an hour of CrossFit and then I'd go run another mile and then I come home and like eat a salad or something like just not fueling my body for the amount that I was putting it under. And so by my sophomore year of high school, I just like destroyed my body. Um, I didn't have the best coach. We didn't have the best like techniques. So I, my IT band was completely screwed. Um, if I was like crossing the street and a car was coming and I had to like jog a little to cross the street, that would cause me immense pain. So by the end of the season, I like could not run at all. Um, I started going to therapy for an eating disorder, but more for I was getting really depressed. And then when I went, they were like, um, did like a questionnaire and they're like, uh, you like really have an eating disorder. Oh, uh, that's okay. Um, it's really dumb. I think with eating disorders, if you don't fit like a weight category, they diagnose you as EDNOS, which is eating disorder, mm -hmm. not otherwise specified. Um, but essentially I had anorexia cause I had those tendencies. Um, but I also kind of had orthorexia, which is where you, um, not necessarily don't eat, but you will only eat healthy things and like work out. And it seems like a good lifestyle, but you've taken it to such an extreme that it's not good for you anymore. So I struggle with that. Um, I had ended up quitting cross country by my senior year of high school. I was doing a lot better, like eating disorder wise, um, mentally. And my best friend was the captain of our high school dance team. So I tried out for that. I started doing hip hop again, um, had so much fun, loved it so much, stopped going to therapy, like felt really good. Um, and at the time when I was a sophomore, I had the therapist put me on birth control, which I like, for some reason, and I, this is really similar with like girls my age right now, like OBGYNs hand that out like it's candy. I have no idea why, but the only reason they put me on it, I had like really regular period, like crazy regular, crazy normal. Um, but they were pretty frequent, like on the mark, like 26 days, 26 days, 26 days. And since I was really struggling with depression, like the hormones switch would like throw me off, which is normal. Um, and for some reason, my therapist was like, oh, if you go on this, you can stop having your period. And then not, then you'll like, it won't bother you. So I did that. And I have been on it for about a year. And I had a, a lot of people tell me like, oh, you'll gain weight on it. But I didn't. Um, until February of my senior year of high school, all of a sudden I gained 10 pounds, like, overnight overnight and I was like well only thing I can think of is this birth control and like I was kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with it so I was like it's definitely the birth control I went off it I gained 30 pounds in a month mm -hmm. um just like crazy overnight switch and with that I became like very fatigued um I started having heat flashes like my mom is currently going through menopause Sorry. Drop that on my mom. Okay. Um, but like her symptom, and anytime I meet a woman that's like going through that, and like they start telling me their symptoms, I'm like, oh my gosh, me too. And they're like, you're 21. Like, yeah, I was 17 at the time. 
um, and was having crazy heat flashes, like having them multiple times a day. Um, when I would sit in class and then like stand up after an hour, like I would leave like sweat on the chair, just like drenched in sweat all the time. It was really like embarrassing and not fun. Um, so I graduated high school and was still kind of dealing with that. And I started, I was pretty convinced that it was the birth control. So I started doing like these stupid juice cleanses, like watermelon diet, like so convinced if I could like flush it out, then it would go away. Um, and none of that worked. And I was also very, very swollen. Um, especially on like the back of my neck, I call it my camel hump. It comes and goes still, but it'll just like this lump on the back of my neck will swell up. Um, my hands and feet, I was still really tired. I had headaches. I was nauseous. I was dizzy. Um, like my body hurt. I couldn't, I could sleep, but when I would wake up, I would feel like I didn't sleep at all. Um, I just like did not feel good ever. And my mom had really was like really starting to push Weight Watchers on me. Um, just cause she thought it would help. And I understand why, like everyone thought it was just like some weight gain. And like, if I got it off, I would feel better. Um, and I knew I didn't want to go on a diet because I had essentially just recovered from an eating disorder and I knew I was going to go all or nothing with it. So it's I put a slippery it on. slope really when you're, when you already have that in your brain, it's hard to, there, there's no middle ground. It's an extreme. It's very slippery slope. Yeah. I have a very like, I want to say like obsessive personality, if that makes sense. Like I just like latch onto things and I will go till I hit a wall and just like, I don't know how to give 50, I, 50%. I can't even give 90. Like I have to give a hundred percent at everything. And so I put it off for a while. And then August, I'm like about to go to college for the first time. I'm crazy attached to my mom. She is my favorite person in the world. Um, at that point, I couldn't even like go to sleepovers. And I think a lot of that was anxiety, but I was like, oh, I just, I'm a homebody. No, you have anxiety. But I, I couldn't even spend a night away from home and I was about to leave for college. And I'm like 40 pounds heavier. I'm only five feet tall. So that's a lot on a small little person. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm like, whatever, go on Weight Watchers. Um, the way Weight Watchers works is it's like points, I think, or points or tokens. I could never, they give you a certain amount you can eat each day. I could never hit that amount. I had to be at least like five or 10 points under. So I didn't even do it right. Like it's like, okay, like you can have, if it was like 30 points, I don't know. I was like, so 22. And I stayed like that. Um, I was completely stressed out at college. Everything was new. I was not having a good time, was not eating, was working out like crazy. Um, and like nothing was getting better. So for about like three years after that, I just continuously went to doctors, continuously like was used as a human pincushion. Um, all the tests, they could never really tell me what was wrong. I eventually got diagnosed with central hypothyroidism, which is um, thyroid disease, but it originates in the pituitary gland instead of the thyroid. And it's like rare for thyroid and it's rare to have it that young, just any thyroid disease that young. Um, so they put me on thyroid medication and every like doctor I saw, every person I talked to was like, once you get on the right dose, it'll magically fix it. Um, 
and it never did. It got better. Um, my freshman year in like the middle of winter, I was walking around in shorts and t-shirts sweating and eventually like those symptoms kind of went away. Um, but it never a hundred percent got better. It still hasn't. I still have like call them bad thyroid days where I'll just like can't keep my eyes open. Um, I'll like get really swollen again. All the symptoms will come back. And so for a couple of years, I just kept getting tested for other things because they were like, well, we don't know what to do with you. And everything would always come back normal. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I think I might have left out a few things in there, but I still don't really know what's wrong. I've just kind of let it go at this point. Yeah. Other than the, the things that like the swelling or, you know, the things that are actually getting in the way of your daily activity kind of thing. Do you still really, really feel like there's something that just hasn't been discovered yet? Yes. Um, I kind of got to a point where um, I tried like so many different, I've been like to a nutritionist, I've been to a like holistic person, an endocrinologist, a regular doctor. They sent me to a psychiatrist at one point, said it was all in my head, it was not all in my head, psychiatrist did not work. Um, and eventually what like finally made it better or better than it was, was I had all along the way, like I was always like knew I had to give it to God um, and like kind of let go, but I'm very controlling. Um, and freshman year, it was just like everything that could possibly go wrong in my life went wrong. And I was absolutely miserable, just hated life, did not want to be there anymore. Um, and I had my dad's best friend, his family had like a history of heart disease and he was overweight. And my dad was always like pushing him to lose weight and like get healthy for like the sake of his health. And he had done that and they wanted him to call me and like, tell me about his low carb, low cholesterol, no sugar, no gluten diet. Um, so I was like, mm, okay, fine. So he called me, I was like sitting in the parking lot of my dorm freshman year and he was like hey like your dad really wants me to tell you about my diet and all this stuff but I'm not going to tell you about that I was like okay and he said I have tried for years to get healthy um I every time I would try I would fall off I never stuck to it and the only thing that changed was one day I was sitting in church and I wasn't listening to the sermon I was just kind of like thinking about random things. And I really felt God tell me that I needed to make a change now. And so I did. And then I stuck with it after that. And he was like, I'm not going to, he's like, I'm really, I don't know exactly what you're going through. And I'm really sorry for whatever it is that you're going through. But I think the answer is to sit down and be quiet for a minute and see if God doesn't tell you what he wants you to do. And then he like, asked if he could pray for me. I'm like sitting there bawling in the parking lot. Um, and I really loved that, but I did not take that advice to heart for like three more years. Um, I would like at different times, I would try to give it back to God and I would have moments where I would. 
and be like, yeah, like I, I'm letting it go, you know, it's in his hands, but I never stopped trying to fix it. I was still going to doctors. I became like my own doctor because my regular doctor kind of ran out of ideas for testing. So I was always like searching for what it could be and then going and being like, test me for this, test me for this, test me for this. Um, and I would, so every time I was still trying to fix it and my new therapist at the time kind of called me out on it one day. Cause she's like, you keep saying that you need someone to fix you. And I was like, yeah, cause like something's messed up. It needs to be fixed. And she's like, I, I understand that, but you're telling yourself that you're broken essentially by continually saying you need to be fixed. And I was like, mm, okay, you're right. And I had that in mind. I had, um, I was starting to like really try to think through like if this, if God never fixes it, if this is the body I have for the rest of my life, am I going to be okay with that? Um, and there were two like major ways that I kind of realized it. One was at church again. Um, my pastor told this story about this older woman in the church who had cancer. Her husband had died. She had a lot of health issues. She had a lot of life issues. And every Sunday they would, when she'd come in, they'd be like, how are you doing? And her answer was always, I don't have a problem that heaven won't fix. <laughs> and I wrote that down in my Bible and I like kept that with me forever. And I just kept being like, I don't have a problem that heaven can't fix. And so even if it's never fixed, if it never gets better, at least like this life is so temporary and heaven is eternal that I'm not going to have to deal with this forever. And so I had that in the back of my mind, but I was still trying to fix things. And finally, my junior year of college, I, as for as much as I had like been through growing up, I had never had my heart broken and I had my heart broken junior year. And I was not prepared for how bad that was going to hurt. I was like, I can handle, I got handled so much. No. <laughs> that, that hurt. And, um, I realized that whole spring semester was just kind of a waste. It was when we ended up getting sent home for Corona, but I was like, I just like felt really off the whole time. And that summer I was like sitting on the porch with my mom and I was telling her about it. And I was like, yeah, what I realized was that I was just waiting. Um, I was so convinced that this boy was going to come. He'd been in my life for like five years at that point. I was so convinced he was going to come back because I never really got closure. Um, we ended on really bad terms. And I was so, so convinced that he would come back. He was going to show up at my door. He was going to call me. He was going to text me. He was going to do something. So every single day I would get up and I would just sit there and wait. And I, wouldn't, I wasn't like aware that that's what I was doing, but I was just waiting for him. And I finally had to be like, okay, like I can't sit here and wait forever. And my mom was like, yeah, you need to get out and go meet more people, make new friends. And I said, I don't want to meet anyone new because I don't want people to meet me like this because I can do better than this. And I didn't realize that I even felt that way until I said it. And then I was like, that's awful. Like, that is so sad that I think that somebody can't meet me like that. And all my friends in that point had been my friends since high school, like, especially the boy, like had been there since high school um, before everything happened. And so I was like, they know what I looked like back then. And I don't want anyone to meet me now when I look like this. And, um, that was when like the world had kind of shut down. And my mom was like, why don't you just 
let's stop going to doctors because I was getting like put on medication left and right. And she's like, just maybe just try to be 20 years old for a little bit and like, just live your life. And she's like, you can't like, somebody's going to meet you five years from now and like absolutely adore you and wish that they had gotten to know you five years prior and you're not giving them that opportunity. And so I stopped going to the doctors and I really did like in that moment, I really did be like, okay, like I'm giving it to God. And if the swelling didn't go down in like two weeks, I was like, all right, I see you. I see you. See what you're doing. Um, But I also think I was like going, they were putting me on so much medication and taking me back off of it that I could never figure out when the symptoms were my original symptoms or were side effects or were withdrawal or like what they were. So those are the two kind of moments. So many things. So many things come to mind. Okay. First of all, I don't know if anybody else is listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, I so very, very clearly remember a time in my 20s when I thought, A, Something's definitely wrong with me. Something's <laughs> definitely wrong with me. And my stuff wasn't, you know, all physical stuff, but I was like, something's definitely wrong with me. And so I'll settle for something a little bit less than maybe what I would prefer because of this. That's now what I deserve because there's something wrong with me. Okay. So the reason I tell you that is because. I would hazard a guess that a lot of women listening to this have had that same moment when they just were waiting for the thing to fix the thing. Um, I, I honestly think that it's a mindset that some women never get out of, actually. If it's not mm -hmm. this thing that fixes it, then it's got to be this thing that fixes it. And it, it, we sh it shows up in our lives in so many different ways, um, whether it's the fad diet of the moment, you know, watermelon or grapefruit or whatever the thing may be that week. I'm only eating beets. Um, <laughs> this will be the thing. Or maybe it's the pills or maybe it's the man or, you know, it, it, maybe it's some once I get this thing, then I can be happy and I won't be broken anymore. But because I'm already broken, I'll settle for a little bit of scraps. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But in my experience, what is truthful is my value has actually stayed the same. My value stayed the same when I was heavier. My value as a person has stayed the same when I was thinner. Um, what has changed though is how I viewed myself has given me permission to want more for myself and it is such a hard lesson to learn such a hard lesson to learn um, that it's that it's happening for you so young is absolutely incredible because I'm telling you, I know 50, 60 year old women who are still stuck in the same cycle of, 
um, something's wrong. I'll just sit in this until something fixes it. Um, and it's affected so much their self-worth that they've put up with a lot of crap because they thought it was all they were worth. So, I mean, just imagine if you'd gotten stuck in a situation with some guy who didn't think you were as wonderful as you actually are. And then you actually started believing it too, because you looked in the mirror and then you saw what he told you you were. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, because that's actually kind of essentially what happened. And that was another thing that kind of like snatched me out of it. Because the first time I had dealt with like the eating disorder and everything, I, first of all, I act like I'm 35 years old and I have since I was I, I can attest to the fact that Ryan is an old soul. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't act my age. I never have, never will. Um, and so when I first was like dealing with everything in high school, I've always had like, a very confident and like strong personality. And I never lost that. I was like very not confident about my body, but you wouldn't know that if you met me. Cause I was like very much like in your face, like, Oh, I'm so confident. I'm so happy. Um, and I never really lost that. But when it hit me the second time in college, I was kind of like, A, like, really, I have to deal with this again. And B, it changed my body so much that I really, like, just totally muted my personality. Um, and I remember, like, people really close to me were saying that and were like, you just seem so unhappy. You don't seem like yourself. Um, and this boy, the freshman year, that was just, oh, so awful that I, so bad. Um, he was like the only one that really like helped me through it. Um, I have a very, I have very strong like, maternal instincts and I don't like other people to help me. I like to help everyone else. And I always have the mindset that I can handle my problems and your problems, but you can't handle your problems and my problems. Mm -hmm. So like, I'll take yours, but like, you, you can't take mine. Um, and he was the very first person that I felt like could. And so I very much like heavily relied on him, like felt like he took care of me and junior year for whatever reason in a stupid 21 year old boy's mind in a moment of like needing to prove that he didn't like me or something. He just started listing off all these like terrible things about me. And because he knew me so well, he knew what to say. It's like he said that I was weak and dependent on my family, um, sheltered that I couldn't handle my freshman year. Um, so I had to go home every weekend. I was actually suicidal my freshman year and that's why I went home every weekend. And he knew that, but he told this other girl that it was cause I just couldn't handle it. Um, said I had no life goals, just like all this terrible stuff about me. And I believed it for a minute because I didn't know how to not when someone it was like the very first relationship in my life where I let someone take care of me and then that's what happened I was like this is why we don't let people take care of us like we don't let that in and it was like all my like worst thoughts about myself he just totally repeated and I was like well if you're the one that knows me best and you're gonna say that about me then it must be true and it took a little while. And then I kind of had a moment where I was like, mm, 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 I forgot who I was for a second. But we'll be back. Well, exactly. Exactly. You forgot who you were for a second because other people's opinions of us are not our problem. The only person whose opinion really matters is staring back at you every morning 
in that mirror when you're doing your makeup, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth. That's the only person who matters. And the spiritual aspect of this, I think, is really interesting, too. And whether or not you're somebody who believes in God or spirituality in any way, here's the truth of it. Everything that happens to us in the course of our lives is to prepare us for something else. Everything bad that happens to us is most likely I like to I like to think that it's just like the universe for me it's gone for whomever whatever um, but I really believe it's like God saving my butt from something worse that's always always uh, and it didn't used to feel that way it felt very victim you know but when you when you look at life as just one big toolbox all right well i'm picking up this next tool and i'm moving on to the next level i mean even when it's uncomfortable and we learn something every time the funny thing is is that even when we learn stuff and we get tools it's very easy to pick up the wrong tool you know what i mean like you can very easily think, okay, well, then I can't let anybody in ever. And it turns into a whole nother trust thing that's a whole nother ball of wax and it will follow you into the next relationship. Um, but ultimately, it, it's all about finding a way. And I hate the word accept. I hate the word accept because I feel like it's got resignation, like fine, you know, I don't like that term. But it is about being not just like liking yourself, not just being cool, um, but actually being happy with it, no matter what size you are or it, it, it has to make you happy. So things like working out for punishment, that's not happiness. Things for eating healthy um, from a fear state and not a happiness health state. That kind of stuff can really mess with your head and mess up how you have relationships with working out. How you Because people talk a lot about relationships with food, but relationships with working out is a thing. Mm -hmm. It's a real thing. And I, I, let's see, what is today? Today is Friday. Duh, I'm here. Um, I on Wednesday was deadlifting because I too do CrossFit and yesterday my back was kind of bothering me a little bit. I woke up this morning and I was just kind of like, oh, uh, my back is not right. Um, I had this interview this afternoon. I had another call get scheduled. I'm like, I'm going to skip it today. And then I'm looking at my watch like, I wonder if I should go walk. I have an hour I could get in 10,000 steps. No, girl, if your body's telling you you need a break, you probably need a break. And it's just a matter of figuring out how to how to balance it without it going past the line of obsession. Um, I, I 
so feel your obsession with that because I get that way too. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I personally, and I know this is not for everybody and I'm not going to suggest everybody do this. This is what works for me. I macro count and same thing with like Weight Watchers. It's, I'll be like, I'm five points under on my carbs today, you guys. <laughs> Um, but guess what? It doesn't get you extra points. And guess what? It's not going to lose you five extra pounds either. Um, and in fact, food can help build, not just help you lose. So it's, it's really, really important to nurture those relationships with food and with working out. I mean, I know people who were just like, I hate working out. I hate it so much. There's like literally... I could have a panic attack just thinking about working out, thinking about working, go walking into a gym makes me have a panic attack. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, the, the ties have, have broken. And it's, it's a shame because, um, you know, there's gotta be a healthy balance of what's healthy and what's hurtful. How do you feel like, you being so young and you now, again, those people who are, I'm almost 40, you're 21. So you could be my child, but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> I am your child. We you are. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll adopt you. Um, how do you feel living in a time like this? And again, you know, we grew up with Denise Austin. If you, I'm dating myself. If you know who I'm talking about, if you know, you know, um, Jane Fonda. I remember my mom working out to Jane Fonda and me being like, Ooh, look at her fancy tights. Um, like I, we grew up with these, we grew up with, Oh gosh, what's his name? Vanessa, help me. Richard Simmons. Like this was what we watched on Saturdays, like instead of cartoons. Um, we grew up in the culture as well in diet culture in health culture. And, it is 10,000 times harder for your generation than it ever was for us. Um, how has that factored in to some of the mental health issues, some of the, um, the eating issues, the working out issues? How do you feel like that's affected you? And not just you, but, you know, your friends. How, how are you seeing that factor in to what, women your age are facing today? Um, it's definitely, it's kind of weird in that I feel like girls my age, we all are going through the same thing, but we're not nice to each other about it. Mm -hmm. So when I like first came to college, I was working out um, at like our campus gym. I cannot stand that place. As soon as you walk in, it's the most like judgy atmosphere. Um, and I always felt like girls were staring at me and judging me. Um, and so I ended up leaving and I joined Gold's Gym here. Gold's Gym is my favorite place ever. Sometimes I just go in there and sit. I just love that place. But I don't like to talk about like food or exercise with really like anyone my age because I don't have a good relationship with working out like we were talking about. Um, I try really hard to. I just don't. I do really enjoy working out, but I don't do it healthily, healthy, in a healthy way. And if it um, wasn't a word, it is now. <laughs> um, but any girl that sees me is like, oh my gosh, you're so 
healthy, you're so fit. Like you work out five, six days a week. You know how to lift weights. You like eat so healthy. Um, I'm like, no, I, I really don't. Like even my best friend like called me the other day because she has been trying to work out. And she was like, I worked out like consistently for two weeks. And she's like, I'm so jealous of you. Like, how do you, how have you like not missed a workout in seven years? And I was like, that would be the mental health issues. But thank you. <laughs> I was like, it's called an eating disorder and perfectionism and anxiety. It's not like me being superwoman. And I think a lot of the way that like we handle it is like we project it. And so I always, always, always have girls be like, oh, I wish I was you. I wish, um, I wish I had the drive to work out like you did or, oh, like you're making me feel so unhealthy. Like I'm eating this bag of chips and you're eating carrots. Oh, you're so healthy. You're so healthy. You're so pretty. I'm so ugly. It's always like, you're amazing. I suck. And I, in one way it's harmful because it's like, oh, how do you have the drive to work out? And it's like me remembering the days that I had complete mental breakdowns that I missed a workout and like could not get up off the floor. And like, that's not healthy. That's not what you want. A. B, like I'm eating healthy again because it's like, because I don't know how to do anything differently and I'm going to hate myself in an hour if I eat a cookie, but I wish I could. Like you're the one that's actually healthy. And I started noticing my senior year of high school, I led a Bible study and I started noticing that the younger girls were watching me like talk about myself when people would like compliment me. I would notice that they would like watch how I would respond. And I was so used to like doing the deflect and like compliment back like, oh, you're so pretty. I'm hideous, but you are gorgeous. And I was like, I don't want, I don't believe that I'm pretty, but I don't want them to believe that about themselves. And so when people would say that to me, I'd be like, thank you. I know I am. You're, you look really good too. But like, I also look good. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. And I started doing that so much to like show other people that I kind of started believing it myself. But it's so, I think it's really hard to struggle with that in today's society because it's so glorified. Mm -hmm. And it's so like, it's especially hard when the issue is with like working out and eating healthy because it sounds so dumb from the outside. Because if you're like, oh, like my issue is I work out all the time and I eat really healthy. It's like, it's not an issue. Right. So what you're saying is number one, by them saying, oh my gosh, you're so healthy. It, it A, gives you pressure to like, now I always have to represent as healthy. And B, there's this lack of understanding that like, yeah, I'm being healthy right now because you don't understand that on the other side of this is literal self-loathing mm -hmm. for any little thing that I put in my mouth that is even a little bit thought of as bad or unhealthy or has any you know threat to my health whatsoever. So people, people just don't know, you know, cause they just don't know. Yeah. But also, I think too, cause I've had this happen myself. I think girls sometimes are like, oh my gosh, you're, I don't find this as much with women, but I remember this as a girl. Um, but people will be like, oh my gosh, you're so pretty. Like but it was mean. 
like jealous. You know what I mean? So it's always just like a compliment with tension. You know what I mean? Do you guys still experience that now? Yeah, I have dealt with a lot of mean girls. Um, seen a lot of mean girls. I don't know if we necessarily, I don't necessarily feel like people are like, it's a backwards compliment when they say that. Um, but I do think that we just like don't know how to have a conversation that's not about how we look or what we're eating or like everywhere I go, it's like just what we're always talking about. And it's like how they look, like how we look in outfits, how we look on Instagram. And I like social media, obviously is like the hardest part of it because um, it just like puts it out there for everyone and everyone like sees your best features all the time. But I feel not really that it's like they're saying it as an insult, but more they're saying it because they're so not they're so worried about what they look like they almost like want you to compliment them and they're like deflecting so it's like everywhere I go it's just everyone's so negative all the time it's like I'm so hideous I'm so fat I'm so ugly I'm so unhealthy blah 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 blah. and some girls I think genuinely like do believe that and are genuinely upset and then I've also had girls that I know don't genuinely believe that so they're like fishing and that's how they get their validation. I see. I was about to say, I don't know that that's so much in, in my age group, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I think, hmm, I think that that, I hope, I hope that that's something that people grow out of some, you know. I, I genuinely would like to think that women my age are start because I don't think we started this way. I think we're starting to really want other women to love themselves. I think like we genuinely, like we genuinely do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also then when we're say, oh, well, well, what about you? When will you be happy with your body? well we're not talking about me you know (laughs) you know like okay um but when and you know uh, of course it has to be said you're 21 so there are a lot of body changes coming in your future if you have children um and of course you know just age in general i mean even without children uh, I don't know if you watched the interview with, with Leslie several weeks back. Uh, she does not have children and she hit, she was perimenopausal at like 36. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it certainly is most likely in your future that your body will continue to change. Um, what will you need to be happy with it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still working on that I feel like I'm still working on this latest change as much as I can talk about it now and be like oh yeah it's all good I gave it to God I love myself that's that's what work every day um 
know. I think one of, like, I know a lot of women's, like, biggest worry a lot of times is, like, getting pregnant and, like, that changing their body. And that makes me a little nervous, but I've also, like, had baby fever since I was a baby. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I genuinely believe, like, my purpose in this world is to be a mom. And I think it's all I really want out of life. And so that part doesn't scare me necessarily. But I do, like, still have moments where I'm sitting here and I'm, like, thinking about my first job after school or um, being pregnant or having family or having little kids. And I'm, like, when will I sort of work out into that? Like, how will I work a nine to five? And then, like, how do, then when, when do I work out? Or if I have a baby, then how much longer after I have a baby can I work out? And I'm, like, so far in the future, like, trying to plan out, like, how to keep this body the way it is right now. And I'm, like, you're not even happy with the way it is, right? Like, it's just so much, like, not wanting change and just, like, trying to plan it out, like, to micromanage everything. I'm going to ask you a question you're going to hate me for. You know, I love you. Um, Okay. So when do you think God will be happy with your body? I think he's happy with it now. I think so too. I think he's happy with it then. I think he'll be happy with it tomorrow. I really do. So like, then what's the barrier for you to be happy with it? When you think about it like that, it's like, oh man, what am I doing if I'm telling God what he made? It's not good enough. Eesh. <laughs> yeah, I think I like wrote down in that form, like one of my favorite verses, because I always felt like I could kind of deflect when it was like that kind of question, because I was like, well, mine's like physically, there's like, I genuinely have like some illness like it's not um just that I'm like heavier and I don't like it it's that I have like these issues like these thyroid issues or whatever whatever it is um and you know we can fix that and there's a verse I think it's in Matthew but it's about like the blind man and the disciples are like who sinned him or his father that he was born blind and Jesus says neither it was for the glory of God Um, and so it was like, not that you do anything wrong in life that like, he's going to give you this disease or this issue, but like for his glory to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really the only thing I can like hold on to because I, some days I'm like, I look good. And other days I'm like, no, I do not. And I like mentally, I'm just, I have like mentally, I'm going to beat myself up all the time. And there's not going to be a day I think where I'm like, not going to be super hard on myself. But I believe that fundamentally, I believe that whatever happens, happens for a reason and I don't have the control. And that even if I like forever stay at this way with all these annoying symptoms and have to like take a nap halfway through the day when I'm 21 and like every part of my body hurt. Another reason I feel like an old soul is like I have a old body. It's just not a fun body. Um, that it was like all for his glory in the end. And so it's not really about me. That makes perfect sense. And well said, let's go a little bit into what we call the three G's. So, and again, you're young, you got time. Uh, But 
Yeah, I think it's important to reflect and you know, in the boss babes, because you're, you're one of our youngest boss babes. I think they're you, you and one other girl are very, very young in our group. And we just love the energy that you guys bring. Um, you make us all feel young too. So we appreciate that. Uh, I want you though, we do this week by week in the boss babes, but I want you to think about back over your timeline up to this point. And let's go back and think about how the three G's apply to that. First of all, gratitude. Second of all, grace, you know, how can you sort of almost forgive yourself in the now considering the past and still move forward towards a, a, a hopeful future and we'll talk about some goals so first off what are you most grateful for in your story um i'm very grateful for my family i think i learned at a very young age that friends like come and go but like your family stays with you forever and i'm very like i'm a big believer in found family versus like blood family um, just for me, it does happen to actually be my immediate family. Um, my mom had a lot of health issues when I was growing up and I had a lot of fear when I was like really young that she was going to die. And that kind of messed with my head a little bit. And so I got very attached to them, but I realized that like, not everybody's going to be there for you. Like not everybody wants to see you succeed. Um, but your family really does. And so I feel like a lot of what I've been through, I've been able to get through because of them. But I'm also grateful for the stuff I've been through. I'm not always grateful for it in the moment. Um, but I feel like I've been able to help people through uh, with like the struggle with similar things. And I wouldn't be able to if I hadn't been through it. And I think it gives you a lot of empathy and like perspective to have been through hard times and then be able to like empathize with other people that makes sense absolutely absolutely and again certain certainly an important thing for you to know at such a young age because that's not common knowledge around like real adult world where we're all adulting all the time <laughs> there's no empathy here i don't know why <laughs> it's ridiculous so Good for you for, for having that, that understanding so young. What do you need to give yourself grace for? I think there's two major things. The first one is I still kind of blame myself a little bit for the health issues, which isn't really fair to me. Um, I don't know that the whole birth control thing is what, kicked it off um but I still kind of blame myself for going on it in the first place even though I was like 15 and it's what a doctor told me to do um so I was just listening to adults but I felt like I should have looked into that more and I made a lot of I just like haven't been nice to myself throughout the years and sometimes I worry that that's going to like leave a lasting remark just from like over-exercising, under-eating, like punishing myself. My freshman year, um, at one point I thought that the weight gain was probably from an antidepressant that I had been on for like four years. So I took myself off of it cold turkey 
and went through drug withdrawal, like in the middle of midterms, <laughs> just crazy things that I just would do whatever I thought it was going to take to get what I wanted and get the body that I wanted. And I just totally messed with it. Um, and then also I feel like even now, I think I have a somewhat good idea of what might be wrong is I can't, I think it's called pseudo hypothyroidism. My therapist was talking to me about it, um, where your thyroid is fine, but your body thinks it's not. And so your brain's like sending the wrong signals and it runs through the pituitary gland still, which would line up with what they had told me before and stress and like cortisol makes it worse. And as soon as you get stressed out, like the pituitary glands, like crap and starts like sending the wrong signals to your brain um, and has your body like thinking that something's wrong when it's not. And I feel like that could really be it because all these tests always come back normal. And when I get stressed out, everything gets 10 times worse. And that's like not something I can control. Like I can't help that I get stressed out. I can't help that I have anxiety. Like I can't stop cortisol from starting or for brain from sending the wrong signals but I kind of feel like I can't like I feel like that's something I should be able to control better and so I kind of blame myself for it that makes sense um there used to be it's not quite as prevalent now but there used to be back in like medieval times um false pregnancies I think like Mary Queen of Scots would have had one or two incidences of literally her body being pregnant without her body, her body actually being pregnant, the weight gain, the vomiting, like the whole nine yards, like full distended belly. Um, because your body can do some wild things if your brain believes it. My thyroid levels at one point were a good level for if I was in my third trimester. Yeah. I was like, and then also my, my mom, um, after she had me, like I had a lot of hormone issues when I was a baby. Cause after my mom had me, like her body thought I was still in there. Hmm. So she stayed like nine months pregnant for like another month or so. And they had to like inject her with hormones. I feel like that happened to me too, but not for the same reasons. I just still looked like I was nine months pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what your goals are going forward. My biggest goal right now is to only worry about today. And it sounds like a really simple goal, but like, because I'm such a perfectionist, um, I'm always kind of like what I was saying earlier with like worried about when, how how much longer after I have a baby, can I work? Like I don't even have a boyfriend. Like (laughs) I'm not anywhere near to being pregnant, but I'm always worried like 25 steps in the future. And I've tried really hard this semester. Last semester, I had a lot of issues with my living situation and I completely stressed myself out to the last second. Um, Everything happened like really quickly, ended up in a, I'm in a perfectly fine situation, perfectly happy, very clear. This is where God wanted me to be. I'm like, what did I gain by having a mental breakdown? Like for six months worrying about this. And so now I've just like really not, thought about past tomorrow or past the weekend. And sometimes my mom will call me and be like, where are you going to like, what are you going to do in the summer? What are you going to do for grad school? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to get, where are you going to do this? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Cause I didn't 
nobody promised me tomorrow. Like God didn't promise me tomorrow. He only promised me today. And so I'm going to live today. And if I make it through tomorrow, then I'll worry about tomorrow when it happens. And that is so much easier said than done. I'm still like in my mind, like seven years ahead of time. But I just feel like I've learned in the past couple of years that every time I think I know where things are going, they go take a hard right and go somewhere else. So there's no point in worrying about it today. I feel this so hard because this is where you and I are very similar. I, and I, I'm going to sit here and be the person who's just like, I'm so used to be like you. I'm, I'm still like this. I am a constantly recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And anybody who knows me, ask my partners, ask Reagan and Vanessa. I'm like, we have a meeting today. And my love language is this PowerPoint. I like, I'm a very, very organized. It's obnoxious how a, I, I hate the idea that I'm a type A person, but I'm a type A person. It's, it is what it is. Like, sorry, not sorry. I have come to love, love this about myself because I am the bee that gets it done. Okay. I love that about myself. And it's something that I've just quit apologizing. I used to get teased about it all the time. I am not mad at the fact that I'm a type A person. What I am mad about is how miserable it can make me. And I have learned that you can do both. You can be type A and also be flexible and just handle things as they come. Um, so I, I think that I got really good at that when I was an act, an, like an actually practicing nurse because you never know what's gonna come at you. You can be as prepared as you want. But you have to be very like on your toes about certain things and just take it as it comes. It just gets easier with time. It just gets easier with time. Um, I just absolutely love the crap out of you. I think you're fantastic. My hope for you, and I get to say this because like you're my adopted daughter. My hope for you is that you take out of life what you what, what you actually deserve that you love yourself enough to get that and that you're gentle with yourself we should all be more gentle with ourselves if i had to pick anything that i would pull out of this interview because this was just as fantastic as i expected it would be i i mean like ryan and i will message each other actual novels worth of stuff <laughs> back and forth to each other you, you know it's it's i knew this was going to be a great conversation but i i i posted this in our group later or earlier last week maybe later last in the last week i don't remember exactly about the um the disco ball the disco ball is still this beautiful thing even though it's a a bunch of pieces put together but you're not broken we're not broken. There's nothing wrong with us per se. Now, d does everybody have their own stuff to deal with? Sure, and oftentimes that can be a genuine medical thing. Um, it can be a genuine circumstantial thing, but it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Um, and sometimes that's just hard to remember. 
it's just hard to remember. So I think if, if anybody can pull anything away from this today, it's that, you know, we, we can only control so much. We can only control so much, but you know, like Ryan said, you only get one life. Um, I hope Ryan that you go into your 21 year old weekend <laughs> and <laughs> you find something that is fun and silly that, you know, don't take yourself too seriously and enjoy your life because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you have a very promising future and I cannot wait to see, to see where you go with your, I'm, I'm just, I'll, I've always been so wildly impressed with you and I can't wait to see how far you take this thing. Thank you for being here with me. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining the Shiro Shift Podcast. The Shiro Shift Podcast is sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. To find out more about Cardio Dance Babes, go to cardiodancebabes.com or to apply to be a guest on the show, go to cardiodancebabes.com slash stories.